Hey good people, this is your Eli Dom, back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So hey. I'm not sure what I want the starting point to be. Um, I woke up with the concept of an amoeba. And I spent a little time in that. So if you go to my Twitter um, account, your NIDOM1, you will see a number of uh, links that I've shared about the amoeba. The amoeba's memory, the reproduction of an amoeba. So that's what I woke up with this morning. And I know what that was about. Um, well, I think I knew, I thought I knew what it was about, or I think I know what it's about. But then as I started reading more about the amoeba, because the amoeba was serving as some kind of metaphor, that's what I was assuming that the word, I woke up with the amoeba concept because it was serving as a metaphor. So as I went to go and start reading about the amoeba, and I started getting interested. <laughs> and then I found um, an article called The Amoeba Map. And I don't know if that's actually the name of the article, but that was what it was about. The Amoeba Map. And one of the articles that I saw before that one talked about the different parts of an amoeba. And I wasn't interested in that because I was interested in looking at the amoeba serving as a metaphor of the whole. And I'll tell you this, that's connected to systems theory. So when I saw something that talked about the parts of the amoeba, I was like, no, I don't think that's what a, I don't think that's why this word is coming to me, for me to be curious about the parts. I'm thinking about how the amoeba functions as one whole. And I mean, I think if I dig deeper, it's going to all be the same. But then I found this article about the amoeba map, and it took those, took different parts of the amoeba and shows how they work together in a larger system. And that sent me into other thinking about systems thinking. This particular article was about change agentry. And because I identify as a change agent, even when you hear me say, um, how do I say it? Something like this podcast is for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have an impact in the world. That impact in the world is about social change agentry. And so I don't talk about the, I don't use that term a lot in this project, but in my primary life, I identify as a social change agent. Anyway, there's a lot I want to, I want to go back to the last article that I wrote. Oh my gosh. I'm looking at, oh my God, that has to be about, oh my gosh, about 75 birds flying in unison in a certain formation. And if that's not systems theory, that's like the universe right now confirming what's on my brain. And now they're changing formation right in front of me. I'm sitting in my car looking out the window, <laughs> just so you know. Anyway, I gotta get to do, I have to do my disclaimers before the five minutes. So I wanna let you know I woke up with the concept of an amoeba. And then the, um, an article, eventually I got to an article about, um, social change agentry and the amoeba map. 
And that has opened me up to a lot of different possibilities. So I'm not sure where I'm going to go in this project, but let's do some disclaimers. Hey, if you're new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory, the two that I use the most other Myers Briggs and the Enneagram. Pushing those two systems together. Oh my gosh. Pushing those two systems together, I identify as a. As an INTJ8, I also identify as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I'm a trained and practicing educator and social scientist of about 30 years. Politically, I lean into tenets of critical race feminism, which means I have an intellectual sensitivity to social constructs of power, such as race, class, gender, sexuality, to name a few. This project is unedited and is unscripted. If you want to know more about it or me, feel free to go to my website at yournidom. .wordpress.com. We're under five minutes, and I'm laughing because, you know, I've I've been doing these disclaimers like this for about a year, a little bit over a year, and so it's like, um, blah, blah, blah. So while I'm doing it, I don't have to focus, and I'm in my car, and I'm looking around, and then it made me think about something. Yesterday, I got some impromptu voice lessons for singing, and that is interesting because I'm a karaoke singer. I'm not a real singer. But I think that there's a voice somewhere in there. I'm never going to be a Beyonce. I'm never going to be a Whitney Houston. But there is a voice in there. <laughs> so I was with somebody who's a musician, sing coach and all of that. And he's so critical. And in the past, he's wanted to work with me, but he's so mean. <laughs> he's so critical. And so yesterday, I let him kind of tear me apart, if you will. <laughs> Only to come back at the end. He was like, yeah, you're a singer. <laughs> But you wouldn't know that because he like, he's like, you're all over the place. You know, I mean, he's just identifying all the criticisms first. And I'm like, okay. But now I'm, I'm more secure to let him do that. So anyway, all of that was happening while I was doing my disclaimer. So you guys, as I've already told you, I'm in my car. Been coming to this particular spot um, to do these reflections just to have some privacy um, in the house and there is just so much that has been happening in the house and I'd love to do a um, an analysis on it um, I won't do that now but there is an analysis that I have shared with some other people it's stored uh, because it's 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 fairly serious but we won't do that here all right but other people do have access to the analysis already more than one person so just to just in case this audio gets monitored for whatever reason i know though <laughs> and you know intjs we already live in a certain in a certain conspiracy bubble so this doesn't help <laughs> so anyway um i also want to tell you i just woke up uh just had to get because i have a lot on my plate today and, and what was happening is that i started looking into these articles to prep for the reflection and then I get interested in the articles and then I lose it and then it's gone and so because I didn't a second week in a row that I didn't give you a recording on Sunday I forced myself to just jump out of the house and I did do oral care I did do I did brush my teeth <laughs> but other than that I just jumped on jumped in my car so I have a little bit of a a raspy voice I'm not trying to be sexy <laughs> this morning I just woke up okay so, um, I also want to tell you that the last reflection that I did, I don't know what I named it, but it's literally the one right before this one. I used a metaphor about the room, like a room metaphor. 
and um, I was playing with it a little bit because I was talking about how there's this room inside of a larger house and this room has always existed and I feel the need to go in that room and spend more time in that room and make my dwelling in that room sorry about that that's another device which I want to do some reading so I have some articles that I may want to read to you so anyway that's unnecessary information unedited unscripted moving on um dang I just lost my train of thought so I was really struggling with is that a metaphor about me going in that room setting up camp because the other thing that hit me as I ended the reflection, I don't know if I said it, but letting the essence of that room come into the main, into the house. Instead of taking all of that that's in that room and locking it away or even going inside of that room and setting up camp in that room, another possibility is to let the essence of that room out into the main room. Now, all of this is a metaphor, but um, I'm not sure yet how to which which in, which interpretation of that room metaphor I want to lock in. All right, but the room and the, what the what I'm t- what I'm contending with in this metaphor is about fi introverted feeling, and so basically it's making some making learning continuing to learn because I feel like this is a a repeated lesson and I'm not mastered yet, but continuing to learn that I have to build a life with that um with um with fi that fi can't be this oh when i feel like dropping into the tertiary when i feel like picking it up because it's not that kind of party fi is in my primary stack it's not about choosing it it's always there it's not as skillful. It is not as prominent. But it's always there. And I came to really appreciate that aspect of FI. I would say right around 40, 41. I'm 52 now. And I spent so much time celebrating that. But then after a while, it, it scared me. Because that FI is fundamentally different from TE. And I didn't really know how to make peace with allowing myself to connect to the FI as much as I was. And so it, it was unsettling. It was kind of like, oh, who am I? And so if I'm, I think I went through a phase of trying to push that FI away again. But what I've learned about the FI, and this is why this is a lesson on repeat, is that that FI will not be silent, silenced rather, or closeted. So whether you, whether I, either I learn to partner with the FI and right and respect the FI for what it does, or she's going to act a plum fool, a plum fool. That's an express, a cultural expression that I'm sharing with you all. You don't want her to act a fool. So you might as well learn to partner with her. And so that's that's the room metaphor. Like she's in that room. Now I don't know you know what I mean? Like she the FI is that room. She's in, been in the house the whole time, but the door the door's been closed. And I'm knowing I'm now learning that I either gotta 
take my ass, excuse me, in there and set up camp inside of the FI. Or I gotta let the essence of her out into the main room. And I'm not sure which of the metaphors I wanna lock in, but I wanted to share that with you. Also wanted to share with you that that metaphor was a game, excuse me, that episode was a game, game changer for me. It really was a game changer for me. Um, and I can't rehash it because I actually have this amoeba metaphor in my brain and I, I really want to get to it. Um, but what I, the game changer, and I guess it's about the room, is values and principles are very important to me. Very. And I have to stop it. I've got to stop my T.E. from being a terrible big brother because that's what it that's what happens. The T.E. being on the X access with F.I. So for the for the E.N.T.J. that's going to happen one more time with that alarm because it's a work Monday. It's a work morning, um, and I'm not going to turn off those alarms for a couple of reasons or. Um, anyway, unedited, unscripted. The TE in the ENTJ, the TE is dominant. And that FI is inferior. So there are two functions that serve in the middle. And, it, and even though it's on an axis, they're not close together. But when the, for the INTJ and the ISTJ, that TEFI, they are not just on an axis, they are side by side. And they toggle more. And it's like sibling rivalry. Right. So even though the T.E. Big Brother wins, he does it by being nasty sometimes. Nasty. <laughs> he does He plays dirty. And you kind of stop. You've got to maintain his superiority. Right. He is Big Brother. But we got to learn how if he would just do right by his little sister, she wouldn't try to come and take over. But because he tries to ignore her and she cannot be ignored. I hope you guys are with me in this metaphor. Then she's just got to show she's showing up like, listen, you're not going to ignore me. Now, I'm not a little sister. I'm a big sister. But I have a little sister that does exactly that. So much where we went through a phase where she's like, I'm really the big sister. Because she really believed it. So this is a real thing for me. I don't know about other um, INTJs and ISTJs. It's a real phenomenon for me. So anyway. So I just all of a sudden, for me, that means accepting that I am values oriented. Period. Y'all, period. Like, there is no... Um, I may not be feeling-oriented all the time, meaning that I'm in my emotions. But feeling is... F.I. is not just about emotions. My God, it's not. It's about those values and those principles and making decisions accordingly. That's what it's about. And once I accepted that, there are a lot of things in my life I cannot do anymore. And if I choose to do them, I need go. I need to have a plan going in, saying this is what's going to happen. 
These are the values that are going to be on the table that are going to be in conflict. This is how you're going to act when those values are in conflict. And now I need to have a strategy for it. So that's what I need to do differently. I need to whatever. I need to, first of all, make decisions inside of those values. And if I make decisions outside of those values, I need to have a game plan for it. I need to be aware and be mindful and mature of what's going to happen. So that I just can't tell you how significant that acceptance has been for me with work, with my family, with my business, with my emotional life, with my quote-unquote romantic life. And I don't even talk about the romantic life. Oh, my gosh. It has just been a game-changer. I'm going to listen to that episode again. Now, you might listen to that episode, and it may not sound like a lot to you. But this is my journal. It was a lot for me. Okay? Game-changer. Okay. Now, let's get to today. Today's metaphor. All right, you guys, I'm not going to be able to really do the do this uh, metaphor service that I wanted to have been ho- on hold for about mm, maybe seven minutes. And my job is uh, um, calling on me <laughs> to work. Imagine that. Um, anyway, so I am um, getting ready to get ready to so I can start work on time. Uh, but I wanted to just say. I, I, the amoeba is a single, single cell organism, if you will. If I'm not mistaken, if I'm, if I have any of this wrong, I'll come back and I'll fix it. And why I think it hit me this morning is because I spent the day with family yesterday. And what I'm assuming that this amoeba came up for me. I'm assuming that as I observed my family yesterday, I could see different parts to this, a singular whole. And while people might think that they have their individuality, that they are actually playing a part in a larger whole. That's what I'm assuming the word uh, amoeba came up for me. But just a second ago when I put you guys on pause... What I didn't realize is that amoeba is kind of like a, kind of has like a predatory aspect to it. Like it, it feasts off of. And that deserves some attention. Because I'm like, if my brain was recalling the amoeba, not because of systems theory, but more of the toxicity of the system, then that needs some attention and I need to do some studying on that. Before I try to delve into it. What I will say is that. You know yesterday was a holiday. And um, and I, I. I would say in the last two years. Maybe. Definitely in the last year. I've gotten to the place where I don't. Fear spending time with family. I used to begrudge it. It was painful. I tried to stay away from it. And I did. And. When I came and spent time with the family, even against my better judgment, because usually my sister or my niece was asking me to spend time, you know, didn't want me to do that separation because I'm perceived as the bad person when I stay away for self-care. But So when I, against my better judgment, would spend time with the family, it would just be painful. 
and harmful and hurtful. And so I would just say in the last year or two that I've gotten to the place where I don't fear that pain. I just don't. And I want to say I don't feel it. I don't think that's true. Because I'm still coming home. Um, like I'm still on my adult beverage strike. So there's no coming home to that if I wanted to do some kind of um, zoning out, right? And which is one of the reasons why I take myself on a strike because it stretches me, right? It stretches me, teaches me about unhealthy practices. Not really unhealthy practice because we know going to adult beverages as a form of coping is an unhealthy practice. That in and of itself is unhealthy. But what it teaches me is why I need to go to an unhealthy practice. It teaches me the unhealthiness that's driving me to an unhealthy practice. I don't know if that makes sense, right? So as long as you can mask that out, you don't understand what's underneath it. But when you don't have that mask, then you have to confront what it is, which is why I do the fast, right? So anyway, I still come home. I didn't, you know, obviously I didn't have access to the masking behavior but I did come home to silence which isn't a bad thing and I'm watching one of my shows on repeat that genuinely makes me laugh I've watched it about five times why I can watch it and still laugh because I'm still extracting I'm still pulling out meaning from the show and it makes me laugh and I and I enjoy it so I did some happy I did eat a little bit (laughs) that's not good Um, but I didn't eat the way I could have eaten, you know, so I'm recognizing and I'm celebrating progress. I also want to celebrate that I could identify it before I went to bed. I felt some feelings, which I can't always do. I can't always acknowledge the feeling, let alone name it. I can't even acknowledge it until the next day. And I was able to identify two feelings. Well, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could name the feelings, but I could feel it. I could recognize the feelings. I felt exposed. And I couldn't name this. I felt exposed and I felt something was off. Something did not feel good. It felt bad. It felt icky. And I, and last yesterday as I was watching my show and um, I was doing a little bit of uh, playing some games on my cell phone. I was trying to play out what happened. What happened that's giving me this icky feeling? What happened that gave me this feeling of exposure? And nothing. There was only one obvious event. I want to share that with you. One obvious icky experience. But I don't think it was that. I don't think it was that one obvious icky experience that was making me feel icky. What what one of the things that was making me feel icky is my coaching lessons. My uncle, which is a, um, he's just, anyway, he's a musician. I don't want to give his, his vocation or whatever. But he gave me some voice lessons. I didn't like the fact that he wanted to do it then in the space where we we're all hanging out with family, but I don't get to see him. So we went down to where he had the keyboard and we did a few songs. 
I don't think that made me feel icky because there's nothing. Just I don't. That's my uncle. Like I've been knowing him since I was a kid. He's the one that taught me how to drive a stick shift. You know, um, but because of his relationship to my aunt, our relationship went through a pocket of really nastiness because my relationship with my aunt went through a season of nastiness. And so this is the thing I'm going through with another person in my life. Um, And this is going to be complicated because I'm going to talk about, I want to talk about some family parts. And in those family parts is my person that's dealing with this illness. And I'm like, God, I know you can figure it out. I just, for whatever reason, and I'm, I actually am ready to talk about it, but I just want to talk about it in this podcast. So what I think I'm going to do is do it on YouTube and I can make it private. I think I just don't want that floating out in a way that I can't control it. I am ready to talk about it. But anyway, so one of the, one of, one of the persons that I'm going to talk about today will be the person that's dealing with the illness. But I, I'm just not going to say it, okay? So just park that, okay? I just want to be honest up front about that. So my aunt, um, one of my aunts, I have several aunts, and actually all three of my aunts were present last night, yesterday, which was kind of awesome because I love them. And just watching the way, oh my God, the way, watching them as a, as a unit. And they talked about it. They talked, you know, they talked about being siblings. And so you had that and then you had three cousins that represented three of the four daughters so you have three girl cousins actually that's not true we had four cousins that represented all four of the daughters all four of those sisters all four of those sisters had a, had an offspring there and all four of those sisters have only two kids right so all four of those sisters have an offspring two kids three of the sisters have two girls and then one sister has two boys which is really fun um but anyway so all of the off all of the the sisters had one of their offsprings there and so three of the girls three of the female cousins they were there now just this is and i'm thinking about this because the boy cousin was kind of like obscure he's kind of off to the side he was there but the girl cousins were very centered. We're very centered, myself included. Now, I'm not as centered as I used to be just because of my own work and my own comfort with my dominant function as an observer. Because I think as a J, and I want to come back and do another episode on the J. Because that's another thing that came out from that last episode. But as a J, you're not going to experience experience me through that perceiving dominant NI function. I'm going to be J-ing it up. And I'm going to flex. I'm going to see who can J the most. Now, one of my girl cousins is an ISFJ. I believe she's an ISFJ. I believe she is. I believe she is, but she's never taken the test. So that's just me typing her. My other cousin which I suspected would be a little bit of an... She's an INTP. And my goodness, 
She seems like an INTP to me. She's a fiery INTP. So I've wondered like what her um, her enneagram is. Is she she's got some eight qualities on her, or six, or not three? Because threes can be fiery, but even sixes can be. But she's got some eight on her. Now I'm going to tell you, and I've talked to this in, about this in the past. Which is something that was very hard for me to do. I was so embarrassed when I did this recording back in 2020. And I'm going to do it now. I don't feel as nearly uncomfortable as I did then. But I feel a little bit of a discomfort. Me and this cousin fought. Physically fought. Physically went to blows. Not when we were kids. Because I'm... I'm... Let's see, how old am I? Oh, gosh, I'm 13 years her senior. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how I, I don't know why I was about to put us in a 20-year gap range. We're not. So I'm about 13 years her senior, and uh, that in itself is problematic. And then I was in my 30s when we had this fight. I was not in my early 30s. It was mid-30s. Now. This is not a fight that I initiated at any level. I didn't initiate it physically, and I really didn't initiate it verbally. But this particular cousin (laughs) was finding her muscle and finding herself, and I think she was going through some postpartum. And she lunged at me, like literally assaulted me, literally lunged at me and attacked me. And I've defended myself and um, it was, it was a pretty, it was a pretty intense fight. Now, also to my credit is that I didn't fight her to hurt her. I fought her to get her off of me and to subdue her. And I did (laughs) eventually, which is why I don't need to be fighting. (laughs) I don't need to be fighting because I'm overweight and I'm old. (laughs) And I don't need to be fighting. On a moral level, I don't need to be fighting. But on a physical level, I don't need to be fighting, right? But so we've already talked about that. Like that is a coping. Unfortunately, it is a fighting is a coping strategy. Now, I say unfortunately because of where we are in our society. But there used to be a time in our our human uh, civilization that... You had tribes who fought. And when you go to the Graves model or spiral dynamics, you can see where the collective is based on how different stages. And there was there is a stage where physical force is a part of the process. So I you know it is what it is. I'm not proud of it. I can say I'm I got a, a slight dif- discomfort in my body talking about it. But it is what it is. And to deny that is to erase a significant part of me. What I love about having that experience, particularly as it relates to not doing it anymore, what I love about having that experience is that it gives me a sensitivity to, uh, as an educator, in environments where kids cope by fighting. That's their coping. That's their initiation. They establish their identity. All of that. Now, 
I could go down this road sociologically and we could talk about is this because they're racial the racialization of it no but it is about the stripping of resources and putting people in a place where that's the only way they can survive is by going to one of those um, other stages so I'm having some anxiety in my body right now and I know it's because of what I'm talking about. Hold on a second. So anyway, that's a whole separate reflection. But, oh my gosh, I just went down in a serious rabbit hole. I, I just rolled the window down just to give me some air, y'all, so you can hear more traffic. Um, but I went down that road just to say, hey, we had the three cousins, the three girl cousins, and um, two of us are Jays. And then the one that's a P, that's the INTP, she's eight. And she loves being in the midst of it. <laughs> she, loves, she loves connecting. And, and then she connects through the T, the T-I. And it's just... And the way she does her T-I is through a lot of learning through... She learns through movies. She... I mean, she gets into movies in a very technical... Not technical. Let me say this. She gets into the characters of movies in a very, very technical way. And she will go study the, the um, aspects of those characters not the character development but whatever the character so if the character is dealing with an illness she studies that illness it's she's very fascinating she can literally tell you a series not a movie a series as and open it up and as though you are watching it very descriptive and before my grandmother passed i remember just watching the two of them and my grandmother enjoyed it, and I enjoyed watching it. And so this cousin and I, after we fought, I don't, I don't think we're ever going to fight again. What we realize, and I think she knows it, we're very similar. She's an INTP, I'm an INTJ. I think we're both eights. And this is how you know when you get into a healthy eight. I always say fire respects fire. Oh my gosh, this makes sense. Now you don't hear me talking about the zodiac signs just because, like, I really don't want to lose any lose the credibility that I do have. But I am intrigued about any coil, any relatedness between typology and the zodiac signs. I, I I'm curious about it. Well, let me tell you, I'm a fire sign. You take it for whatever it's worth. So there, there's a fire, there's wild, there's fire, fire, water, and I believe earth. I think there are three types of signs. I think earth, earthy, fire, and water. So my cousin and I are both fire. Different different months, but we're both fire. Makes sense. It just makes a lot of sense, okay? When you're trying to talk about, you know, the inner landscape, that's what I think that. Was it about the inverted? The inverted imposter said, nope. What was the last episode I did with you all? Anyway. So anyway. So you had that happening. So what I actually did sometime yesterday. I took my seat. And I moved it out. Now this. Let me tell you the icky part of yesterday. Okay. And I'm going to tell you. There are several reasons that make it icky. Remember I told you there was an overt ickiness. Okay. Here's the overtness. So we we were all supposed to bring chairs. I forgot to bring a chair. Everybody forgot to bring chairs. Okay. So we ended up having to go to the store getting chairs. Fine. So when people, I, and I'm very respectful. So when somebody comes along that's older, I'm like, okay, do you need to sit down? Because I'm not going to be, that's just, I'm not going to be rude. Um, 
and somebody is younger, I'm not giving up my seat unless they need the seat. So anyway, so um, I'm sitting down and I'm my cousin's boyfriend, the one that is the INTP 8. I'm going to call her an INTP 8. Her boyfriend and I, we're just starting to get along in the last year. And I that's something I'm going to unpack at another point. So we're talking and we have good conversations. We actually are having good conversations. And you can just see other people watching us. And my other cousin. We, uh, we're we starting to get along, but that, that one feels a little, um, that feels a little off for me still. But that's okay. Because these cousins, um, these boyfriends are extensions of the system. And then just, and it's not even the fact that they're male. Because there have been friends, female friends of the of a, the extension and they come in and they play a part it's so funny, it's so fascinating and I'm going through this with my niece and her best friend and her best friend came, comes in and plays a part now I'm close enough to my niece to say something to my niece that I couldn't say to my cousin and I told my niece, I said this to her about a year ago I said, I'm going to gather that you've talked about me to this young lady and what you don't understand is this young lady is coming in thinking she's going to play a part. But what you, the sad part about it is that now you're going to have two people you love that aren't going to get along because you've acted, this person, and it's not just the fact that I was talked about, it's I'm talked about in a particular way where this person now doesn't have, it, has, this person has contempt for me or doesn't have regard for me because of the, the role that I play in the system. And the sad part about it all is that my niece loves me. And that's the same thing with the family. We love each other, but it's on top of contempt. And if I'm not mistaken, I played, I shared an article on Twitter about contempt and disdain. Like what is at the root of that, right? So that is the, that is at the heart of this family dynamic. There's pain and there's anger and there's hatred. And it comes out in different ways. It can come out in overt assault or it can come out in a, in contempt and disdain and when you are an extension of that that when you're a family member and you don't aren't allowed to overtly act out of that anger and that hatred when you bring in a new person that new person then acts out of that contempt um it, it is fascinating and there are articles that talk about this so there's a part of me that's like okay I'm just having a subjective experience. I am having a subjective experience, but there are, there are, there's, there's literature out there that explains this. Okay. So that's what, that's the phenomenon that was happening with my cousin's boyfriends. And so once I started understanding that to a certain extent, I'm not playing in that to a certain extent. Now with my sister, my niece's friend I'm not yet there. And there's another layer to that. Okay, so I'm still not fully there. My niece is uh twenty three and uh and uh, there's a that's and I wanna process that at some point, but there's still a lot of unsettledness for me. Um there's some grieving I have that's what it is. I have to still grieve the the you know, I made this investment in my niece's lives and it's it's the 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 result of that investment is not there. It's non-existent. It, I'm not gonna say it's non-existent, but they're still part of the same family system, and it's interesting. Now, my cousins, 
I played like an aunt because of the age difference when, you know, I was younger. But I wasn't that big of a... Anyway. So anyway, so we're sitting there talking to one of my cousin's boyfriends and we're talking and somebody needs to sit down. So I... My aunt, one of my aunts said, come sit over here with me and let them let give that seat to this person that was standing up or was trying to sit down. I didn't see that person because I was busy talking to my cousin, one of my cousin's boyfriends. I want to say this. I was talking to the INTP8's boyfriend, just so you know, because both, both boyfriends were there. And so my aunt was like, come sit, come over to the other side of the, because we were all like in a circle. She was like, come over to the other side of the circle with me. And so that you can let this young lady sit down. I was like, I, I said something. I said something. I said, well, I'll just move back. And I said, let me just move back. And so I said, because I don't want her to feel excluded. So my aunt said across the circle, on the other side she said well we don't want you to feel excluded either okay there's a lot to that but let's just take that let's not unpack that let's not unpack it let's just take that for um let's just take that with good intentions right let's just take that with good intentions we don't we god there's a lot there we don't want you to feel excluded either so before I even <laughs> before I even thought about it or processed it, I mumbled, "I'm always excluded. What's the difference?" <laughs> oh my god! I did. I mumbled that. Now because I was talking in proximity to the INTPH boyfriend, it it looked as though I was saying it to him. I don't really think I was saying it to him. I think it was just a natural reaction to saying something that's true, that it's true. But it was a little messy because it's like, why would you say that? Like, why would you say that? Because, <laughs> and I also have this very sarcastic side of me. I do mumble a lot. That's why I'm in meetings. I tell people, don't sit next to me. Don't sit next to me. Um, because I'm going to usually mumble and be really off task and most of the time I'm going to be inappropriate because I'm going to be adding commentary to whatever is being said so so that's kind of what it was it was like commentary well my aunt across the circle one of my aunts across the circle the same one that didn't I'm assuming she didn't like it because she was like that's not true she was like that's not true and I was like I don't remember that exchange but here's what I remember because it was really fast and brief but my back was to her so I remember turning around to say something to her and it the facial expression was I'm never going to forget the facial expression that she had and I don't even know if I'm going to be able to explain it to you so of course I'm going to say contempt it was a look of contempt or disgust but it was more than that it was like a, um, it was almost like a challenging look, like um, a look, and if you don't understand the culture of fighting, like if you don't come from a fighting culture, you don't understand that. This, But a fighting culture, 
doesn't you don't just fight there are all of these indicators these markers that have that happen before you get to the fight there are things that you do with your face or things that you do with your body the facial expression was one of the precursors to a fight that was on her face and i said auntie i said whoa i said did you see you i said if you could see your face and i I'm not going to lie. It was like a split second you saw her calibrating. Now, these are times I wish it wasn't just me. I wish I wasn't the only social scientist. These are the times I wish I wasn't the only social scientist because I don't want to be the only one making this analysis. Yeah, I mean, Because my TE needs objective data. And I just don't... I, I'm a, I really would like some objective data. So... I'm saying that to you to give you permission to just critique what I'm saying. Um, I actually do give you permission to do it. Gosh, I really wish I could have that critique because I'd love to go back and forth to defend it. Um, because I'm feeling the need to both defend it and to critique it at the same time. So if you critique it, then I don't have to do both. You critique it, then I can just defend it. Okay. But you're living out there in podcast land. And we'll, we won't talk. So anyway, I just have to hold, hold both of those spaces. So I said, Auntie, your face. And there was, like I said, a small hesit. It was just a, it was a real hes- hesitation. And then it was like she calibrated. Like she was going to say, I'm not doing anything. But she changed it and said, well, I yeah, I do have a face because it's not true. We've not excluded you. Again, the we. Oh, my God. You guys, I would love to just talk about that moment, but I don't, I have other things I want to say, and I don't even know if I'm prepared to talk about it, but it was icky because I, because this is what I'm thinking about. That face was happening behind my back. It was happening to my back because I wasn't facing her and there were people around and this aunt is a J by the way. So there was a utility of that function. There was a utility of that face. I don't think I was supposed to see it. That face wasn't for me to see. That's that's the icky part for me. It wasn't the contempt, which it could be. It wasn't. It was slightly the precursor to the fight, because I'm like, yo, I didn't even know we were in that space. It was the fact that I wasn't supposed to see it. Because when I turned around to engage, it changed. Now, let me give you a little bit of backstory. This particular aunt, we've, we've almost fought too a couple of times. Now, this is sad. This is sad. <laughs> it's sad for me, at least. She's 12 years my senior. And we've never gone to blows because other people have run interference. And, but this was a verbal. And my thing was, I didn't, like, if this would have happened with one of my younger cousins, I would have never, I would have never sparred with them because I'm the oldest. That's just my value system. But this is my aunt 
who's 12 years my senior and she's clergy. So why is that okay? And in, in a room full of other people, there's not just the two of us. And this is usually what happens in fights in school settings. Rarely do those fights happen when no one else around. Those fights happen with an audience because those fights have a social utility. They serve a social function. Okay. So when this, these people are around and my aunt is sparring with me, unnecessary, just because it was about me, we had to get my grandmother home. And I was like, well, who's going to take granny? She didn't like me organizing, which I don't know why that... There have been several times when I've tried to move into an organizing, she doesn't like it. Now, this is my theory, and I don't know if I'm right, but my theory is that people pretty much submit to this particular aunt. She's the organizer. She's the director. The fact that I'm organizing and directing is an assault to her authority and her power in the system. That's the only thing I could come up with, because there there was another time, maybe two, two weeks, maybe maybe three weeks at max before my grandmother died I was sending out a text saying hey this is too much for my mother because my mother was acting in extremely unhealthy ways with my grandmother so I just assumed that that was stress and I'm like my mom needs help my aunt sends me this message that was all caps I will be there to take care of my mother you can just like exclusionary I'm like it was very angry based anger based and I didn't understand it but I've had several there was a time she invited me to her job to have a meeting and then when it got heated then she was like I'm at my job what the hell did you invite me to your place of work to have a very serious meeting unless you thought yeah anyway I don't know I don't know I don't know but this is a this is the aunt that I called my second mother because I couldn't have the relationship with my mom that I wanted. So I designated this particular aunt to be my second mother. I had to learn that early on that that wasn't true. And there are a number of things, and I don't want to get into this now, because I would say in the last two years we've been doing better. Because we went so she was my second mom, and then we went through this phase, and it all and it happened. When I began that, when I had my own school and she sent her son to my school and then she wanted to run and make decisions through me. And there were things that she wanted me to do and I didn't do it. And she threatened to go to the school board on me. She's my aunt. And she didn't threaten to go to school board on me because I had physically harmed a kid. She threatened to go to the school board on me because I wasn't using my authority my power the way she felt I should use it. My God. And I will never forget. And I remember sitting down with her crying. Like I told her, I said, I held her in high regard. And she basically told me, don't have me in high regard. The only people I'm going to look out for like that are my own kids. She, 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 she abandoned me with that language. Okay. Y'all <laughs> I was talking to a, a friend of mine the other day and I'm I'm so normalized all of this, I don't even feel the pain of it 
or excuse me, I don't consciously think about it. Plus, I'm 52 years old, and I do believe at some point you gotta get over it. I'm not gonna sit around and live my life like, whoa, it's me. Oh, but I'm not, and I've analyzed it, and I understand the family systems of it, and it is, it just is what it is. So I'm talking to a friend the other day, and she is in, she cries. She said, you don't even hear what I hear. I said, well, I hear it. I'm just not having an emotional reaction to it. So then this friend starts saying, she's like, I'm, I love you. I'm your family. That's not your family. I'm your family. <laughs> and I'll get, all I can do is laugh because she's like, I don't know why you keep holding on to them. So that's another story, right? We can talk about that at another point. But that's because there were just just so much and I'm telling her what's happening about this thing this these things that are being said um through this illness um it's just it's stirring it all up right and I already told you guys I'm going through two storms one with the job one with the family so just to catch this particular aunt who used to be my second mother and then who was my adversary because we almost fought um and now we're back in this good space to catch her doing that was just very telling that that's this good space we're in it's not real okay now I'm going to say something that's very gross and then I got to start closing I didn't really get to the amoeba part but I needed to process all of this (sighs) what makes this really gross and icky is because I had a meeting with her early in the morning yesterday because we're going to go into partnership. And this is where one part of my brain is like, you don't need to do that partnership with her. That is going to be a hot mess. And then there's another part that says it is what it is. And I think I'm going to end here. This is where I'm going to end because there's so much more I want to say. And I'm more than likely I'll come back and Usually I do these reflections and it continues to live in me and I continue to grow. Um, Hold on a second. And the reason why I'm going to try to start closing here is because one of the things I wanted to do with this, um, one of the articles that I found with the amoeba is this amoeba map. And um, what I did, what I haven't done in this reflection that I wanted to do is to talk about how the amoeba holds a memory when it reproduces, it divides, so it becomes two sisters, but it doesn't, it loses, it lo- there's no parent. It reproduces without a parent. It's fascinating. I really want to, I really believe there's some value in that, in talking about, um, unhealthy family systems theory okay but I don't have the time and I don't even think I have the readiness to unpack that um, another thing I wanted to talk so I wanted to talk about the division of the amoeba the reproduction of the amoeba and the memory of the amoeba the amoeba and one thing I will say in one of the articles and I tweeted it out so go check it out one of their articles talks about an amoeba's memory if a, if an amoeba they, they they share the memory but if that amoeba is isolated from the other uh the other it's it's other half it can have the i uh, the essence or the impression that it's its own individual self 
And this is one of the things I woke up with. Like, this is really what made me go to this amoeba metaphor. That we're individual family members as though we're individual family members. We're not. We are a product of some kind of whole. And I believe that whole is rooted in pain and harm. So even though my aunt is acting out or my other aunts or, you know, or my mom or my cousins, we are all acting out of the pain of the root. And we have the false sense that we're individual where we have our own distinction, but we don't. We really are parts of a whole. I think that's what I was getting. I think that was the impression that was on me after being with the family yesterday and observing the family. But then as I got to this article about this amoeba map and with these different parts, and this is fascinating. So I'm, I do not have time to read, but let me tell you the map, the parts of this. So this article is about social change and how you can use this amoeba map for social change. And that's part of my work, right? So this takes me out of the family stuff and takes me into work, which is why I need to close here. But I think there's a parallel. But let me say, so the first part, one first role or part of the whole in this social change amoeba map, whatever, is the innovator. Oh my God, I am going to read. Innovators are the ones who first identify the specific idea to introduce or the change that should occur, the innovation. They are the ideas of that change. Um, are you an innovator? Do you invent or or just get very excited about new tools, methods, projects, or processes? If so, you might have a harder time promoting them effectively. So in an innovator, and I'll, this is what why I say often I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm an innovator because I don't really, I think my appetite for the idea is greater than the appetite for the implementation of that idea. Although I have enough of TE where I can do it. Like, and I not only do I have enough TE, my TE has an appetite in and of itself, right? But if you took TE and you made it dominant, the TE is just going to do its thing outside of an idea. So sometimes my TE could be satisfied without um, TEing the grand innovation because I have a grand innovation, the grand mastermind. Oh my gosh, I want to stay here. All right, but. Um, innovators typically are very attached to the ideas they champion. They are in love with the ideas and often they are less flexible about how things should be communicated and implemented. To use sales language, they tend to focus on the futures and forget to tell people about the benefits. And they often have a difficult time thinking strategically about how to introduce the change they seek and steer towards success. God, there's so much there. I want to stay there. Now let's go to the next person, the change agent. Change agents are just the opposite. They understand new ideas and feel strongly about promoting them. But they also understand people, communication, and strategies for change. There's your TE. If you are reading this uh, excerpt, you probably um, or aspire to be a change agent in many ways. This means you are flexible or aspire to be flexible and thoughtful about how you go about introducing the change, helping people understand the benefits and seeing the process of adoption and implementation through to completion. That is T-E, y'all, right there, right there, okay. Now, the next role is transformers. 
Sometimes known as, known as opinion leaders, gatekeepers, or early adopters, they hold a position of respect or authority within the social environment, though they may not be at the top of the power hierarchy. If they endorse and adopt an idea, others will follow their lead. They understand that introducing new ideas and change processes often bring bigger change than anticipated, even transformation. They also value their role in the amoeba, so they are careful about what they endorse. And then just as a note, um, a, a strategic tip. Change agents need to find transformers and convince them to endorse their change. Okay, I'm going to pause right here. Okay, now, let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back to my family. So let's go back to the meeting I had this morning. This is where I'm trying to close. Because this is, oh my God, this is a perfect spot. Because the meeting was about my social change business. And it was with the family member. And you want to talk about this amoeba having dual value for me. In that meeting, they both came together. This amoeba works for me as a change agent. I'm going to be using this metaphor based on this article. And this this amoeba metaphor helps me to understand the family. But in the meeting I had yesterday morning with that particular client, they both came together. Okay. What, pray tell, would... You may be saying, what in the hell are you thinking to have to try to go into business with her? Now, she has a facility. She has a building. And she wants to do change. She wants that. She wants to do some kind of work with education. Now, sometimes I feel like she's clamping my style because I'm the educator in the family. Why would she want to do that? But I have to remember, she's also a founder. She started a school. She didn't found a school with her ideas. She founded a school for someone else. She's the transformer. She's a transformer. Oh my gosh, she's a transformer. <laughs> and I believe she's a transformer aspiring to be a change agent because of the position that she's in. She's always been positioned as a transformer leader. She's had authority. And in some regards, I'm rolling the window down again. In some regards, she has been at the top of the hierarchy, but not the full hierarchy. She's been at the top of the local hierarchy within a larger hierarchy. And you understand? So she's been a transformer. Now she's seeking to do change. She's got her doctorate. And I'm excited about that. And she wants to do some kind of change as it relates to education. Well, that's my realm. That's my work, right? So our work intersects. So she has the facilities. I need a building to do the thing that I need to do. Now, you guys already know, I cannot, based on what I've been talking about, the relationship between leadership, uh, money, and spirituality, I can't keep going and applying for these jobs and then getting upset because I'm not able to do the things that I'm built and wired to do. Now, if I do another job at this moment, it is strictly, strictly for survival, which is what I was supposed to be doing in the first place when I went and back in employment to get back on my feet and then somewhere along the line I got confused and I started thinking that I was going to make do my mission work through employment that's okay I got it now I don't know how that's I, I'm not gonna we've talked about that a number of times okay so I'm now act, I'm walking in it I'm, I'm walking in it right I got a business model that I've 
I'm not going to say I've ever completely parked it, but I've not prioritized it. It has been in a secondary and maybe a tertiary role in my life in the last, I would say, three to four years. All right. Based on some episodes that I've been recording, based on the two, two to three storms that I've been dealing with, I know I can no longer have it parked. It is now being pushed to the front of the, at the top. It is now my dominant focus and I need a building. And she has a building. And not only does she have a building, because of her organization, I'm not going to be overly priced for that building. So, that's the dilemma. Now, the spirit part of me says, God can give you another place of access. But I'm also feeling time, right? There's a possibility that I can have this business up and going in a few months. Because of how much work I've done up, up until now. But I'm going to continue to pray and let, excuse me, God or universe be God or universe. All right. So I'm having this meeting with this particular aunt and the meeting goes really good. Even down to the negotiating the price. I think I'm negotiating on the high end, but that's okay. I think there's a, you know, just, just a lot. There is a part of me. And, it, and, it, and it's very clever how she's positioned herself. Because she's positioned herself as though she's not the decision maker. As though there's a board. Like there's a board that I have to go through and I have to do a presentation into this board. And technically, I can approach this in two ways. And I think I might have to. I could just approach the board as I just want to be a renter. I just want to rent out the space. I just want to rent out the space and here's what I can pay. This is what I'm going to do with it. And here are the insurances. Here are the things that I'm going to cover for my liabilities. I'm going to be responsible for. I don't really have to get into the mission of it. And one of the reasons why I don't want to get off into the mission of it is because this is also my area of passion. Although she doesn't have that innovation. She doesn't have the idea. She doesn't have the vision. That's okay. That's not her and she'll tell you she's an administrator true and true i'm not an administrator and i'm praying and asking the universe to start sending me administrators because i'm not an administrator and that's what has been slowing me down but if i can meet the innovators excuse me administrators who are transformers they know enough about the idea to buy into and then they'll use their administrative skills my god this is a win so the fact that we had this really good meeting and to, to we had this really good meeting, we're going to go into business together. Supposedly, we're going to. I got to. Pre, I got to present to the board, the quasi board, the quasi authority, because really at the end of the day, she holds the power. And there are other family members there. So then, what is? which is very similar to what happened when I had a school and I brought family members into my school. My mom worked for me and that was a catastrophe. And my aunt, son, I taught, I was my aunt's son's principal, my cousin's principal. But I also had two other family members who worked for me and that didn't work. It wasn't bad. They were cousins. One did it for a short term and one did it for a long term. And I need to hold on to that. So I had different family members who came and worked for me and, 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 and people in the neighborhood who, who worked for me. Um, and so I know I have enough wisdom now to negotiate that on the front end, right? And so I can put that as a clause, right? I know I know what to do. 
I know what to look for. And what is not going to happen is um, I'm going to put parameters on around it. So I'm more than likely going to lean into this route unless unless the universe says otherwise. But I think what happened yesterday, and I think now that I'm talking this through, I think God showed me that face that she had, that turned around, that disdain, don't fully trust it. And this is where I'm going to end right here. In this article, it says, hold on. Um, um, hold on a second. Some innovators can be good. Ch- Let me, I'm sorry. Hold on. Some innovators can be good change agents too, but it requires a great deal of self-knowledge and discipline to move from one role to the other. Change agents have to learn to see the change through other people's eyes and adjust their communication accordingly. My gosh. So it's not just me being an innovator. This is the great idea. I need to use, I need to need people and resources to move about. And I am in a world in an industry and in a, in a, in an industry and in a, in a town where black women are not leaders. We are laborers. I'm in a town, a culture, and an industry where black women are not leaders. And I'm confronting that. And I think that's the other reason why I'm going to lean towards having access to this facility. It's not an easy thing to get a building. And I've not aggressively tried to get a building in the past. I've tried a couple of times. It's not a big deal. It's not even worth me talking about failing because I really didn't aggressively try. And I believe that if this door closes for this facilities, I will be able to get another. I will be able to find one. But this does feel like the path of least resistance on one level and then possibly more resistance on another. And so I'm going to continue to pray about it. But I think that me catching her face behind my back like that was what I needed to see for business. I thought that this was what I needed to see in terms of family, but I already knew that that disdain was there. I already knew that even though we've been playing nice, that that disdain is there. And it's not even personally about me. Really, it's not. I'm a threat to the family system because I'm an observer and I'm trying to do things that are different. There are other roles in this in this amoeba map for change. So there are transformers, mainstreamers, reactionaries, activists, Commergens, I'm not saying that word. Commergens, and C U R M U D G E O N S. Laggards, recluses, controller, controllers. All of those are particular roles. Um, and so I see all of those places um, in the family system. But I think for me, moving forward and trying to get out of employment, back out of employment and get into the place that I know I'm supposed to be with this work that I've been, that I have moved to a tertiary spot in the last five years and it's no longer serve. it's not, my lifeline depends on, my mental wellness depends on me getting that that mastermind thing that INTJs do I have one and it's, it is big, now I've masterminded several things, it's, I've had a, I've done it I did a YouTube episode on the mastermind where my INTJ John guy said that I that's a myth. INTJs don't mastermind. I'm like, we absolutely do mastermind. We have capital M mastermind and we have lowercase m mastermind. Go check out that YouTube video to to um to to get a better sense of it. 
But um, I've masterminded a lot of little things. And I've masterminded big things. The mastermind I'm dealing with now is an extension of a big, ma- something that I've masterminded in the, in the past that was big. I've masterminded something that was big in the past. This is now the next level of that. And because it's so big and, and there is no model, whereas the big that I, mo- that I masterminded before, there was a model for it. There's no model for this. So I think that that and then me can trying to get back into survival mode after that relationship and having them relocate home, all of that pushed that masterminding project to tertiary. But I cannot. The last two years have been painful. And as I have healed, I've done some healing and I've gotten back to my identity of not just a leader, but the executive leader. Even though I'm trying, and I, it, it took the two leaders that I work with now that's them telling me, you're an executive leader. You're not just a leader. You're an executive leader. It took them saying that on repeat for me to finally, 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 finally accept it. Now, if you go back to the episodes at the end of 2021, I start, that's when I start saying, I think I'm an executive leader. Why I would need to say that, I have no idea because of the things I've done in the past, but I have been traumatized. I've been I've gone through some trauma, right? And what happens when you go through trauma, you just get disconnected from the self, right? So so I started like coming to, and then little by little, and now I, this season, thanks to you all, all of this journey, thank you. I can't play the game anymore. And that means you got to put up or shut up. And I, it is what it is. It is, this is it. This is it. There's no more playing with it. There is no more playing with it. So I'm going to use this amoeba map just to help me to determine, like, um, first of all, I'm going to use the, the amoeba map to remind me it's no longer about being an innovator. I think this is one of the things I love about writing, right? Because I got the third book. We got the date. We have the release date. The book is being released on June 20th. <laughs> so now you can go look for it, if you will. But what I love about writing is that it's the ideas part of me and I use the TE to write about it but I I also have an, a gift around organizational development and organizational leadership that's what my TE likes to do and so it's just been hard in the world it's been hard you know just a lot that's happened in the world um, and so anyway to make a long story short um, <laughs> that's what my dad used to say to make a long story short just to keep talking <laughs> But anyway, that's probably because he had more in his head that he could say. But to make a long story short, I'm going to use the amoeba map to help remind me I'm not just an innovator. I'm a social change agent. And as a social change agent, I have to strategize with the people. I got to. I got to strategize with the people. I got to understand the people. I got to see the world through the lens of the people. I got to connect with them. And I knew that. That's something I got to continue to develop and skill. I got to work on. And I need to partner with transformers. People who have the power. They don't have the vision. But they have the power and the skill set to make it happen. And that's what I'm. So that's on the business side and on the family side. You know, I think this is it. This is what the conversation I had with my with my friend the other day not only am i i'm done playing the game in the job employment i am done playing the game in family 
even though I went to the family because one of, one of the things I read an article I don't know where it was at about the Great Wall I don't have to excommunicate myself from my family that's what my friend wants me to do I don't have to do that I just got to have emotional barriers emotional boundaries and I know how to do that I know how to do that and so I will challenge myself if I do think this idea of doing this um, partnership it is very dangerous it's very dangerous but I am going to really try to make it work and so if I'm wrong I'll come back in front of you but in terms of strictly familial issues I'm not cutting them off I'm going to play the game and I'm gonna t- it's I'm, and I'm and I'm gonna take care of myself. That's the first time around when I started an organization. I did not know about taking care of the self. I didn't know it. I know it now. I know it now. Last thing I will say is that I'm thinking about the the Enneagram Eight and me being social self preservation and the self preservation is on me loud lately. But what I think what I, what I thought about after I did the podcast. Uh, episode with you all is that my third in my stack is sexual it's um and I don't think before I used the social self-preservation sexual to do the work and I don't have the sexual energy and that's what I'm contending with but or I don't have sexual energy for social that's that's a better way of saying I don't have the sexual energy for social I have the sexual energy for self-preservation so that it now is truly second and it's not getting ready to get kicked to the curb. Because what happened before, I believe that social energy pulled on that sex, sexual energy so much where it looked like I was sec, I was uh, a sexual second. And you guys, if you don't understand what I'm saying, social, self-preservation, sexual, those are the um, instincts, social instincts of the Enneagram. And you have to go check that out. Oh my God, this was loaded. You guys, if <laughs> this reflection has had any value for you, please give it a heart or give it a like or thumbs up, whatever it is in the platform that you're using. If me talking about family systems theory, toxic family systems theory, family conflict, family roles, family, ra- if talking about being an INTP, the INTP, the INTP 8, if talking about business and talking about social change and innovation and entrepreneurship. There's a lot here, but a lot, most of this was related to those different roles, those different roles of the system, whether the system is in the family or the system is in business. That amoeba map is one I think will have value. Go check it out. But if any of this relates to a conversation you've had in the world, please take this link and share it with those participants. If my moving about has caused some randomness in you, I'd love to hear it. You can find me on my website. I'm hot. <laughs> I keep rolling out the window and then I roll it up because of the noises bothering me and then I roll it down. Anyway, um, you can find me on my website at yourandidom.wordpress.com on you, Twitter, yourandidom1. Facebook and YouTube. You're in I down. All right. Um, I'm going to start moving into uh, taking personality theory into my primary work. I thought that was going to mean me shutting this project down. I don't think so. I think I think I have a story to tell about the family stuff and the personal stuff that I that I'm not ready to do under my identity. And so as long as I'm not ready to do that under my identity, that means there's work I still have to do, and that's where I'll be doing it 
with you all. But if you happen to see that this other lady just pops up on the scene under my primary identity, you know that's me, okay? But I'm not here to be a typologist. I'm here to talk about the interrelatedness of all of that for healing and growth and impact, which is what I want to do in the other world. I think this podcast is about me. Where the other work is about other people, but this is where I do my own empowerment. This is and and I do it with an audience. And I thank you for being here for me, you guys. Let me give you your assignment. What systems are you a part of? Got a lot of assignments I can give you, but the one that jumped out at me first is what systems are you a part of? What systems are you a part of? And um, what role do you play in that system? You know, and I was even thinking about the article. Uh, one of the roles of the article uh, in the system in the amoeba on the amoeba map. Check this out. Uh, is the is the curmudgeon? I'm going to read it. The committed pessimists and complainers. They don't believe the change will succeed, or even if it succeeds, it will not make anything fundamentally better. I played that part. Um, that's not, that's not true. No, that's, that is true. I have played that part from a distance. So when I wasn't in the system, when I was just writing, I was, mm I wasn't even writing for education. I was writing you know what I was writing for? I was writing for reform. That the current system of education isn't going to work. Only by way of reform. Excuse me. Only by way of reform will it work. And then I had to go back into the system. And I went back in as a classroom teacher. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do my thing in the, in the classroom. And I was only able to do so much of that. And then I climbed my way back. You know, I went to several positions in leadership. And then the organization I'm in now is at the state level. And to watch how the system worked to maintain itself. To, when I say maintain itself, to maintain the same results, the same outcomes for children that we've had since the beginning of time. I just want to put a plug in here. There was a time when it was illegal. It was illegal to educate black children because it was illegal for black people to be literate. And I'm saying that 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 outcome is the same outcome, even though we have schools, because schools are not promoting literacy of black and brown kids. Now, that that's my work. <laughs> I don't want to get into that. That's my work. Right. All right. So I believe I did. I had a I had a hope that the at the level I thought it was an issue of level. And I got a chance to have a front row seat. In the last few months, to see that is that the system is going to maintain itself creatively, artfully, but consistently all the same. And so now, I'm done. I'm done having any hope about the system. I still. I'm so done with having hope. I'm so done with having hope for the system that this idea that I, of having another school, it's very low. 
on the radar. Very low. I, I won't take it completely off off the table, but I'm like, well, but I'm going to have another school, but I'm still going to be in that system. I don't want to do that. So what I've been meditating on is what is the outcome? Forget the avenue. The school is not the mastermind. It's the outcome of literacy. And it's not just reading and writing literacy. I don't want to, I'm giving way too much away. Okay. That's where I'm at. But according to this article, if I have to go back to, um, because I have to go back, like there there might be reasons why I have to go back and get a job to play the game. To the, there are a few reasons why I might have to play, it. and they're all structural because of self-preservation. Because I'm still, because here's the thing: if I was just going to go back off into masterminding as a social person, I would not be thinking about me. But the self-preservation part of me said there are some structural things that I still need that come from that employment world that I can't. That is that it's going to be a while to get it from the entrepreneurial world because as a black woman, the way society rewards me is as a laborer and not as an entrepreneur. But that's, I got to keep saying I'm talking about my other life. Okay. So <laughs> anyway, so but if I have to go back in, I probably will be this, a, curmud- a curmudgeon, the word I can't pronounce, a committed pessimist, and complainers, although I won't complain, <laughs> they don't believe the change will succeed, or even if they, if, or even if it succeeds, it will not make anything fundamentally better. And here's what else it says: the secret to curmudgeons is that most of them were once innovators or change agents who did not succeed. Sometimes you can rehabilitate them and turn them into change agents again. But often they will simply drain the energy from a change process. And I, I can totally see that. Although I don't plan to do that. I plan on just going and doing my dang job, doing it well, and then moving on. I don't, I don't see myself even wasting my energy complaining. Because that sounds like I'm jaded. I'm not. I'm just going to use my, my brain and my talents in another way. You guys watch this space. I mean, I'm being, I'm definitely in a bubble. I'm in a spiritual bubble. Things are going well. And so anyway, but getting back to you, what role, what systems are you a part of and what role do you play? And the reason why I brought up that other role about, role about being a curmudgeon or what are the other ones? A laggard or reclusive. Oh, even what they read, what they said about the controllers is something that I, I knew, oh my gosh, you guys go check out that article. But you can be different roles in different systems, right? So that's what I'm saying. Think about the different systems you're a part of, family, work, neighborhoods, communities. You're, you could be a part of different family systems, different work systems. Um, think about the different systems you are and, and then think about what roles you are. Um, and what does that mean? What does that mean fun- fundamentally about who you are and what you need to do to grow and have impact in the world? I would encourage you to go get that article. That amoeba map, that's a good one. That's got a lot, a lot. You guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. I'm going to go to work now. (laughs) I'm going to go play the game. It's been a pleasure hanging out with you until I come back. Be well. Bye.